Okay, welcome to a new episode of the Autism Podcast. Today we have on the line Simeon Thompson, a 29-year-old late diagnosed autistic man who lives in Woolwich in southeast London. How are you doing today, Simeon? Yeah, not too bad, yourself. Yeah, not too bad. Excited to talk about uh, the stories that, that you've that you've got, the experiences that you've got. I think it's going to be really impactful and educational for our listeners. Um, and we'll get into that. But first, before we get into it, as usual, as always, the fantastic, amazing James Gordon, my co-host, is here with us also. How are you doing today, James? Hi there. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. All right. So, um, Simeon, it's great to have you on. I know that you want to talk about a few specific things that we're very interested in talking about also, uh, in particular, the impact that denying your autistic identity or even your autism diagnosis can have on your life, and also how autistic people can improve their self-esteem and self-worth. And finally, how autistic people can sort of embrace and get the most out of their special interests. Um, so we're going to talk about those sort of three points of focus as we go through it, which I'm really excited about. But first, as usual on the podcast, I'd just like to ask you to give our listeners some sort of context and background about you and tell us a little bit about your autism journey, so to speak, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, so, yeah, I just want to correct you on one thing, Chris, about how so I wasn't a late diagnosis. I was actually diagnosed at 14. Um, so I was in secondary school when I got diagnosed. Um, but um, in terms of everything else I'm just a regular guy who just you know I I play used to play video games a lot I'm, I'm working IT you know just standard stuff really uh but in terms of the um autism side how it really started I know for a lot of people whenever um they got their diagnosis it seemed to make sense for mm. a, um, a lot of them but for me it was kind of the opposite and the main reason is simply because I once I found out that I was, so actually I was actually diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome around the time when that's when it was called that. And mm. um, when I was, when I got diagnosed with that, I took it in pro possibly the worst way because I just flat out denied it completely. And things just didn't make sense to me when I got diagnosed uh, at the time. And when I look back at it now, I think the main reason simply is because it was a combination of, not having anybody else around me that had that condition. Everyone in my family, everyone, uh, friends, family, friends, everyone that I was around growing up didn't really have this diagnosis. No one, I didn't know what autism was. I didn't know what Asperger's was. I didn't know about any of this stuff. So, and because my parents, my family members, none of them experienced it. I was basically treated like someone who isn't autistic. So when I got that, diagnosis when I was 14 it just didn't make sense to me at all because I felt like all the other kids but there was still that other side that felt different at the same time it's, it's really weird and confusing at the same time but just to make the long story short um, that internal conflict within myself lasted for over 15 years and to the point where I'm at now where I've completely accepted it it might as well have been a late diagnosis because it's 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 only now that I truly accept that part of me. And not only does it, have I accepted it, I now embrace it completely. Mm. I, I suppose it would be interesting to sort of explore what's changed. You know, what I mean? like what how how have you transitioned from 
you know, that sort of denial and that sort of negative mindset about it mm-hmm. to to being where you are today, where you positively embrace it and ex- accept your autistic identity. But before we get to that point, I'm, I'm curious as to how you ended up with a diagnosis, because, you know, if this was entirely new to you and you, you, you were quite shocked by it and your family hadn't it sounds like your family hadn't experienced had any experience how did it happen who who sort of initially suspected you may be autistic and who, who sort of led you down that path how did that happen do you do you recall uh so i know my mum in, initiated the whole thing because um after primary school i was put in the special needs department um in secondary school and i would i was told that i had learning difficulties but they didn't really go into um specifics as to what learning difficulties i had they just, my teacher just told me that I have learning difficulties and I need to be put in the special needs uh, department. And um, I think when I look at it now, I think the main reason why she did that is because in primary school, I pretty much had no friends the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. Throughout, throughout uh, um, from year one to year three, I had pretty much no friends. I was always by myself. I was always sitting by myself at lunch. If I was on the plug playground, I normally just spent the time with myself a lot of the time. And um I learned to basically enjoy my own company and it got to the point where I didn't want to be around anybody else. And I think the main reason was also because I used to get uh, bullied a lot, Um, not physically, but verbally uh, bullied a lot for being different. You know, that's, that's where that, um, the whole internal conflict comes in again, because there was always that part of me that felt like everybody else, but there was always, there was always that small part that just felt, didn't quite feel like everybody else. And everybody else kind of detected that part and just felt that because I wasn't particularly like everybody else, the way I acted, the way I operated, everyone would just deem me as the weird kid and no one wanted to associate themselves with me. So once I got to uh, the end of um, primary school now, obviously my mom saw the fact that I had a major difficulty in making friends. So she must have she, I think she went to the special needs department and basically told them to monitor my behavior and see what the reasons for that is. And then around year nine, that's when they hired a uh, special needs therapist to come in and monitor me even more. And that's when I got that diagnosis. Mm. Year nine in secondary school. You yeah, mean? in secondary school. Yeah. yeah. So you you were sort of almost left your own devices from years two, two or three, which is in, uh, which you would have been what? Um, Seven, seven or so, seven I years. I believe around six or seven, yeah. Six or seven, yeah. Up until the age of twelve or, or so, right? Year nine is is age twelve, I think. So it's about... uh, it, was, it was around thirteen, fourteen, around that time. Oh, okay, okay. Apologies. So, so for many years, y- you were not really supported, and you were experiencing a lot of isolation, mm-hmm. um, and you were sort of just going on, going along not knowing anything other than experiencing bullying and rejection and isolation and confusion. That's really sad and difficult. I mean, is it when you look back upon those years, does it sort of, how do you, how do you sort of, you know, think about that? How do you, how do you well, view I, that? I've made peace with it now. Like if I'm honest, it's the way I see it is that it's, it's made me who I am today. The experiences that I've um, had at that time, it used to get under my skin a lot. And it, it w- I would definitely say I experienced a lot of anger and um, um, a lot towards people around me. I used to be a, very miserable a lot of the time. I used to affect other people around me with that misery. But I've now come to the realization that it's it happened. It's part of my past, but it's not going to be a part of my future because at the end of the day, I now truly accept it. So mm. 
as as hard as it was to ex- go through that those times, I'm glad that it happened because it made me a stronger person. If that makes sense. Uh, I said, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's got you to where you are now. But but sadly, you know, I think a lot of children even today. I know things have improved generally speaking, um, but. Even today, I think a lot of children still experience probably what you've what you've experienced previously in your childhood. You know the, the sort of rejection. You know, I just don't find it acceptable. I do. I do think that schools and teachers have to do more to communicate to children in an effective way that being different is not something to stigmatize or reject. It's to something to understand and appreciate and learn from and, and, and do more to prevent bullying. I know it's complicated. I know it's hard. And I know teachers have got a lot on their plates, mm-hmm. but nothing is more important than child well-being. The fact that you were miserable and and angry and so forth is totally understandable you know yeah. you were you're the product of those negative experiences so you know we owe it upon ourselves to do everything we can especially educationalists to to prioritize child mental health especially these days yeah, uh, james what do you think i i totally agree with that um i've i'm a little bit older than you simian but um Not I, much. I i kind of also that came across to me your description of it maybe um initially your rejection of autism and kind of your your journey into thinking about it a, a bit more positively and, and differently maybe um the internet wasn't really a thing probably when you were much younger um mm-hmm. and there's been like social media and everything like that in between that has allowed autistic people to really connect and form a community find each other online i mean especially now in, in the last five ten years you know there's a lot of content out there a lot more positive content about autism and educational content things like academy completely run by autistic people um it's a lot more um accurate it gives a lot more balanced view of autism not just the negative things it's it's very obviously very depressing and all that if you know if you just get the diagnosis and then where do you go from there you get at the end of whatever a couple of days that they assess you then you get um you're out on your own you haven't got any anything to tell you what to do you haven't got any support that can help you there's no access to uh, mental health support really around that um especially over 10 years ago so it's it's no wonder you thought negatively about it and and kind of fought, fought against it so i can understand why why that happened and, and maybe why you've changed your mind and um going back to what uh, you were talking about the bullying in schools and things like that i think a lot of that comes from just that there's no 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 autistic led education um so again schools understanding about autism is very very poor so we've made one of the goals of our charity the long term goals is to kind of kind of push for there to be education by autistic people educating uh, children when they're younger, um, not just autistic children, but um, neurotypical children, so that, um, you know, there's a much more balanced view of it. And it's not just all about negatives, because, you know, negatives, it's, it's going to lead to um, other people looking down on us and picking on us and stereotyping us. So um, it, there needs to be much more positive content out there in, in education and, and much younger as well. And that will hopefully uh, reduce the bullying. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree. It's, it's, I think it also just comes down to the fact that um, more people just genuinely need to know, um, have just have more of an understanding about autism itself. Because I've, I think I have a theory, the re- main reason why there's such a negative stigma towards autism is simply because human beings in general, 
they're very comfortable with what they know. So when they when they come across anyone that's different, that acts in a different way or speaks in a different way, whatever it truly is, their instinctual reaction is always to look at it in, in a negative way. And I think it's simply because they've it makes them uncomfortable. So to kind of like reestablish themselves, they they like to put labels on things that make them uncomfortable to make them they make them that makes them more comfortable so it's like oh if they come across someone who is autistic they're like oh oh he he must be he must be one of those weird kids he must be one of those weird people so it makes them feel better about themselves like, okay i put that person in a box now so it's no longer um something that's foreign because i put that in a box that's kind of how i see it. yeah but at, at the same time that is kind of the reason for why i also because there's one thing i forgot to mention as well um after leaving secondary school that's when the conflict really started skyrocketing skyrocketing i would say because once that happened um the, the comments i always used to get as well is not just people who were just going around thinking i was weird but um there's also like people um in my family and stuff that would say that they would say that there's nothing they don't see anything that's different about me so that's where the confusion came from because I've got one side telling me that oh you act like everybody else there's nothing I wouldn't say there, there's anything like that so at that around those times when I started to question myself and think do I have Asperger's yes or no but then when I would talk to other people about it they would say you don't look like you have autism you don't look like you have um that sort of thing so I'm thinking okay so do I have it then or not so then that that conflict, you know, just looming over me for many years just made it very apparent that I just didn't know who I really was. And but I do know that I had a lot. I had a massive, massive problem socializing with people back in the day. I had a, a insane uh, social anxiety. And I know that anytime I was around people I didn't know, I would just be in a very weird place. I would always be stressing out getting frustrated getting flustered because i'm not around people that i know and um but when i would also kind of get myself out of that situation because i felt so uncomfortable around people that i didn't know i would then beat myself up about it i was i was very negative on myself i always used to think why am i such a loser why am i someone who just can't um be like everybody else you know another another example of the internal conflict because just couldn't figure out what why I was acting like this because it, person people are telling me that I don't look this I don't act a certain way but then it, within myself I just I just kind of knew without really knowing really being aware of it so like I can remember a couple of times for example in uh, my first IT job there was a couple of social gatherings that happened and I was around after a uh, student event thing and all the staff members are there. And the only person I really knew around around that gathering was my boss. And I knew nobody else because I didn't really talk to anybody else. So it just felt very uncomfortable for me. I ended up leaving because I was like, I, I don't know anybody, so I'm just gonna go. But then there was all that part, there was that part of me that just think, why can't I just naturally talk to other people like other people can? Every other per piece, person that was there was just naturally speaking to everybody, they were very outgoing. Me on the other hand, very, very shy, couldn't do it. And all it did was just lower my self-esteem. And that happened multiple times throughout me growing up and um, going into my 20s as well. It was, it was always a big problem. And now that I look at it, this was around the time when I did accept the fact that I had it, but it went from me denying it to becoming a curse. I was thinking this is something that's hindering me, something that's 
I wish I didn't have because it's something that's just holding me back. And that's when that was the times when I would constantly think to myself that I will never truly be like everybody else. And I guess that also just me put me in a victim mindset without me even realizing and I started always feeling um thinking that everyone had to understand me and yeah feeling misunderstood that's I'm pretty sure you've heard that a billion times from other people um who are on the spectrum yeah the feeling misunderstood is definitely something that I struggle with heavily but um all of that took place in my brain and also the other thing was the the interest I had as well I noticed that there's some interests that are very un, are quite unusual about me and that not many people are actually interested in. But then when I would think to share that stuff with other people, if rather than having a look of curiosity, thinking, oh, what's that about? They would be like, really? How can you like that? You know, so obviously with that same internal conflict that I have, I'm not thinking it's bad to like what I like. So it's just, it's just a it's just a massive downward spiral of different events over the years that triggered me to um to have this mindset about autism in general and it's only when it, and it got to the point it got so bad that um I ended up making my current roommates uh who live with me very uncomfortable because another thing I didn't understand was um social cues which I'm pretty sure a lot of autistic people have difficulties with um and I made them in some instances feel uncomfortable without me realizing what I was doing and it got to a point where thankfully these guys um these guys are close friends of mine so they could tell that there was something wrong and then they, obviously they didn't knew about my diagnosis I told them but they could tell that it's something I didn't like about myself and because I made them feel uncomfortable not, nothing too drastic obviously but it's just something that it wasn't something that I intended to do they just thought to they just told me yo you need to you need to seek counseling because it's clear that, you know, you're not accepting this part, part of yourself and it's something that you need to do. And if I'm honest, me going to counseling was the best decision I ever made because that once that's once I got into counseling and a uh, shout out to my therapist, Michelle, I'll, I'll shout her out here. Um, she basically gave me the insight that I was looking for all these years. And when I started really accepting myself, everything started making sense. That's when everything started making sense at that point. And um, that, that explained why I was into, I was heavily into music and why I was into um, um, other things growing up, like that many people weren't interested in like Sonic the Hedgehog when I was growing up. A lot of people used to make fun of me because of that, because I was, I was that nerdy kid that liked Sonic and anime and stuff where everybody else growing up liked football and uh, rap music and all that kind of stuff. Me, I was into video game music and anime music and stuff. That's what I was into. And uh, yeah, all that stuff um, started making sense as to why I liked it. And I once I started really embracing those things and making sense of the fact that why I couldn't understand certain social cues and learn, I didn't know how to really socialize. What ended up happening because I started getting that understanding about myself and not only understanding, but also accepting it. I actually became a lot better at socializing. I learned how to actually socialize as someone on the autism spectrum realizing the fact that i'm not going to learn the same way as everybody else i have to learn things slightly differently but it's something that i can still achieve if i put my mind to it and i know that because i put my mind into it knowing this i knew that i was able to do it and 
I got there in the end to the point where I have fully made peace with everything that's happened. I know how to fully navigate and operate in the world as an autistic person, no longer see it as a crutch. I see it as something to embrace because it is, it's not something that um, has hindered me in a way. And it's definitely something that's kind of enhanced my experience because there's certain things like, for example, my, I have quite sensitive hearing. I see that as a blessing, you know, um, my love of music is because of my, because of my diagnosis of being autistic. That may not have happened if I didn't have this. So that's how I see it. And because I now look back and see how much I struggled, that's the reason why I want to be part of a, a community that I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, if I've struggled this much, surely other people have. And that was also the other thing that I wanted to do is, is because just like I mentioned before, I had nobody else around me that um, experienced the things that I did. I would not that I knew of anyway. So I thought I wanted to get some insight into other people. So that's the reason why I wanted to join an autism community. Because I'm thinking surely other people must know what I'm going through. And thankfully there there has been people like that. So yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a journey that was a struggle. But you know what? I came out better in the end. Wow, that so might have been a long-winded <laughs> no, yeah. no, really on point, articulate, you know, really, really clear. Thank you for that. Really powerful as well. No, um, I mean, my, wow. So when you were talking, you know, just sort of feeling all sorts of emotions, really. But one of the, one of the things that I felt was that you, you really have honestly been, I think, a victim of the times, Simeon, because of the lack of understanding that has been present in society, especially in the years that you were growing up. Let's think idealistic about this, right? Let's let's uh, think about how ideally society would understand and, and view autism. If you grew up in, in that kind of world where there was no stigma, full acceptance, full sort of celebration for difference and, and full understanding and knowledge, right? First of all, you, you're, you would have been identified as autistic a lot earlier in your life rather than 14. Secondly, as soon as you got identified, you would have been, you know, or should have been, you know, celebrated in a way in your school and in your family circles, you know, as something as, you know, that's fantastic. You know, that's, that's you, that's your identity. You know, you think differently to neurotypicals, you feel differently to neurotypicals, but that's interesting. It's something to embrace and enjoy, you know, and to, to sort of understand as to how we can, you know, leverage. Right. Um, but you didn't you didn't get any of that. Right. Instead, you got sort of this this rejection and you explain your theory, which I think is correct about how, unfortunately, the world we live in at the moment is is actually not like what I described where instead difference is stigmatized and feared, you know, and you've got power in numbers as well. So you've got, you know, groups of people, you know, coming together and pushing out the difference and, and oh, getting, yeah, 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 absolutely. And then you getting bullied as a, as a result. And so, you know, my point is, I think you're a victim of the times, you know, you were saying that, you know, when you, you had a lot of confusion and I suppose negative emotions when your family, some of your family members would, would sort of question that you were autistic because they couldn't see it and they couldn't believe it. But again, if you lived in this kind of idealistic world that I'm envisaging, that wouldn't have happened because people would know that autism is is invisible. You can't necessarily see it 
with a bare eye uh, so easily you know I mean you have to sort of really know someone and and live with that person you know in a really meaningful way to perhaps feel it and and to sort of cast doubt on it is is also quite negative and something that wouldn't happen in a in a sort of idealistic situation so you, you've been victim of of that you know and the other thing is you said that you would be, beat yourself up about not being able to access social gatherings you know like um you said about your work your work parties and that you'd struggle to to cope in those environments but again if you'd lived in that kind of idealistic environment that so idealistic society that i'm talking about you you probably wouldn't have experienced that because first of all you know you would have um, not had as much social anxiety as you did at the time because as a child and as a young um, adolescent you you would have perhaps found social interactions easier because people around you accept you you know and you wouldn't have got that rejection and so you would have just been able to be more comfortable with social interaction than what you ended up having right so instead what in your journey was one of growing anxiety associated with social interaction which is totally understandable with the rejection you experienced whereas it needn't have been do you know what I mean it could have been one of just social interactions that are, were about acceptance so you wouldn't you wouldn't have had that much as much anxiety firstly that hindered your ability to enjoy these gatherings right so first of all the social anxiety is a victim of you were a victim of that and and secondly reality is if we lived this idealistic society you would have also have known and appreciated more clearly and at a younger age all the sensory differences as well so you would have known that you know maybe this kind of environment isn't right for me and that's not my fault it is what it is and if I don't access it and I engage in a different way that's accessible to me and what who I am that's okay that's that's just who I am do you know what I mean it's just a different way of uh, interacting so again, I just feel your story is is one of being a victim of the times and unfortunately the road that the society our society should not be going down. And this is what our charity is all about, trying to change social thinking and social discourse about autism. So that in the future, you know, the next Simeon in a hundred years, you know, doesn't have to experience such such negativity, you know, and confusion uh, and anxiety. It's it, it's sad. But the other the other thing is when you were telling me your story was one of positive emotion in a way because you've come out of this in a very kind of strong way you know this has built you you're someone with enormous resilience it seems like and intelligence I mean how intelligent are you to sort of navigate everything and to have the bravery and confidence to go you know down the mental health counseling road you know take on board what your therapist was saying and reflect and analyze you know do all these amazing things I mean goodness me how intelligent and resilient are you you know it's you're, it's absolutely inspirational you know so I hope people listening to this if they're also in a crisis they're confused their mental health is is poor like yours would have been can take hope from from listening to your story that you're capable of, of getting out of a bad situation even though you shouldn't have, you you're a victim of the times of, and being put in that situation uh is not your fault james have you got any thoughts on any of that um yeah absolutely so uh, i really emphasize and i um had a similar experience with my family back in the day where some of them were kind of in denial about you know any of any of the kind of negative things when I was falling behind at school and things like that they were sort of quite protective some of them they they were sort of in denial about any form of disability or a, any suggestion of it or why I didn't fit in with uh, socializing and things like that at school they would totally deny it you know and, and that's just not helpful either but they thought they were protecting me so I'm sure that some of your 
family might have been thinking that. But there's also the side of where families often deny their children's disability because of the stigma around autism and and other disabilities, you know, in, in the rest of society. from And that comes from lack of understanding. Uh, and also, um, you would say in, um, that your school thought of autism just in the term of learning disabilities. So you were put in that class where you didn't really, you weren't really benefiting from that. So, um, yeah, that that's totally understanding has, has hopefully come a, a bit further than that. And um we certainly understand that autism is much more than that. Certainly there are people with learning disabilities that are also autistic, but there are also people that don't have severe learning disabilities. They're, they may have forms of disability, but they're very nuanced and they're very subtle um, and often very hidden um, in ways that take professionals a long time to detect them. And also because of the stigma around autism, um, autistic people often try to blend in you know, we try to hide and mask the maybe we've seen a negative reaction when we try to socialize. So we maybe we don't share our, our special interests or talk about the things we want to talk about because we've had a negative reaction from people when, you know, so you thought that you weren't good at socializing. But when we've met you, we've seen that you're brilliant at socializing. You know, you've come to our community cafe of the charity and uh, you've been You've been absolutely brilliant in expressing yourself, and um, hopefully, we've made you feel accepted and not not judged. And that not makes, at all. That may, makes people more confident, you know. And um, I think everyone sh- should be ha- have like, an accepting environment, and then um, proves that we can socialize successfully. You know, what do you think, Simeon? Well, yeah, I mean, one hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. And um, the first of all, Chris, I just have to point this one thing out. Um, it may seem like I did all of this alone, but I would be lying if I said that. Like, I, I, I'm honest, I couldn't have done it without my friends as well. The, my my friends I've known since secondary school, the end of secondary school, they've been, they've had my back for years. And they were probably the first people I have ever told about my diagnosis. And they didn't, they accepted me 100%. And over the years, they saw me as, they didn't, they, they were the first people outside of my family that saw me as just, a regular person they didn't they didn't treat me any different to anybody and we've had many great experiences because of that and as i mentioned the 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 person who told me to go to counseling was one of my friends who lives with me right now and if it wasn't for him doing that that's what kind of led me to where i am today and in t- the the second thing i want to ask uh want to address was what you just said james about mm-hmm. me being very good at socializing as i mentioned before that, that's only a result of me practicing how to socialize as a as an autistic person, because obviously I didn't know how to socialize before. I, I, it's something I genuinely had to learn. It's not obviously we both know with, 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 we were autistic. It's not something that's just naturally picked up. It's something I had to literally, st- literally nail in my brain how to do. Obviously, the more I did it and it was very hard at first, especially because I put myself in situations purposely where I didn't know anybody. But the good thing is that at least I put myself in situations where even though I didn't know anybody there, I put myself in situations where kind of groups I was in was groups that I was familiar with. So 
things like like I said I'm into music I'm into video games stuff like that since I'm into music a lot I collect vinyl records I went to a vinyl record meetup where everybody liked records and stuff and everybody had records so I would that that was kind of like a little jump start I needed to kind of put that kind of ease my way into getting more comfortable with socializing and I noticed the more, uh, the more I did it um, the better I got at actually socializing in, in general and it got to the point where I'm still not the most social person out there there's still times where I'm very quiet and I don't really say much but the difference is I'm okay with that now before when I was when if there was any moment of silence when I wasn't speaking I felt okay I need to I'm, I'm losing the conversation I'm kind of I'm they're gonna start thinking I'm weird they're gonna start thinking I'm awkward and all that kind of stuff but now I'm just like you know what I'm no I know I'm naturally a quiet person when it's when I don't really have much things to talk about and that's okay I, I something I had to literally train my train my mind to actually think like that and it took a lot of unwiring bad um thoughts of thinking I'm a, I'm a weird or thinking I'm awkward or thinking I'm someone who's just not like everybody else but as I said it was thanks to my friends supporting me my family supporting me and also just knowing the fact that I do have support even though they may not know they may not experience what I've experienced none of them know what I've experienced they still know they still had my back regardless and that's what I felt was missing at the time because I used to convince myself even though they were supporting me the entire time I felt like because I didn't know because they didn't know exactly what I was going through because they they're not autistic there's this, that's this tiny part of me that felt that I wasn't truly supported and that's where again there's another um, example of internal conflict because I knew they were supporting me but there's a part of me that was telling me that they weren't yeah really uh, really interesting it sounds to me like a couple of things have really helped you first of all your your friends you say you know really been key and it just just the sort of re-emphasizes how important it is to have you know a good friend in your life or two you know that really fully accepts you and gets you five you know have, yeah. yeah five if you have <laughs> if you can have five you're very lucky you know uh and i think this, this is one of the main things that we're trying to do again with our charity with the particularly with the community cafes that we run we're trying to develop connections and friendships and because sadly autistic people have had so much rejection and, and they they haven't they often don't have the, the fortune of of having many close friends so we want to try to change that because we know and you're living proof of it that if you have good friends even even just one really really good friend it, it just mm. makes all the difference to your well-being doesn't it and your mental health the other thing is that you said that you know you you're so you're very clever you know you strategically on your own it sounds like figured out that a good way to practice social interaction would be to get into social environments uh, where there's a shared interest with your own special interests mm. and so you know um you, that's good advice isn't it so if you're uh seeking to meet people or to practice your social skills you know um that's really good advice you know just and these mm. days with social media and the internet and how connected the world is i guess it's it's easier to do that than ever before and, and maybe you can do it remotely did you do that in person or, or remotely or um but i i did that in person because this was this was just before the pandemic actually happened. So All right. it was, um, that's when I was doing it in, in person. And yeah, you are absolutely right. That definitely made it easier for me because I realized that the one thing that I'm, whenever it comes to socializing, when I'm talking about something that I'm familiar with, it's very easy for me to talk. Mm. 
So once I actually processed that and it made sense to me, I was like, okay, you know what? I think this is definitely going to work because I love talking about music. So that should be the starting point for me. So I think if I talk, if I talk about someone I'm familiar with, then yeah, then I, I started to notice just how easy it is for me to talk in general. Because again, the whole point of the social anxiety for me was the fact that anytime I was, whenever I was surrounded by people I didn't know, it was just like, images and scenarios that were just being built of them just immediately dismissing me or them uh just being like you know what you you you're not welcome here you know that that sort of stuff that's where the anxiety really came from when i think about it now so once i started noticing that i was talking to random people that i had no idea who they were before this they were accepting they they didn't say any of that stuff that i was thinking in my head it's it's like my it it um showed my brain like hey, look they're not they're not being what you're um what you're envisioning you know so it, it kind of put my mind at ease a little bit and as I said the more I did it I started um doing it with other social events I started going once I started going badminton I started socializing with the people in badminton and then the more I started socializing I started picking up techniques that worked for me so I kind of had a kind of formulated strategy of how to kind of word um how to kind of go with the interactions and stuff it's been working ever since because i just think okay just replace that one event with anything else that's related to where we are i just think look at my surroundings see what i can pick out as a starting point to make a conversation and do it that way it's been working and it's something that my 15 16 17 18 19 year old self would have been completely oblivious to. That's really interesting. But you would you would not have believed it when you were 16, 17, 18, 19. Oh, no. Probably no. because you were cl- closer then to having experienced the bullying and rejection as a, a young child than what you are today. You know, I know it still obviously must carry through with you enormously today as well. Mm. But part of it is that I suspect back then when you were 16, 17, 18, you know, still so, so raw, isn't it? You know, yeah, that your, yeah. your, any attempts to try and get close to people rejected in, uh, resulted in rejection. And and because you were younger, you didn't have those tools that you've since been able to figure out to strategically access social settings and social environments mm-hmm. that work, that do work for you. And you're not going to experience that rejection. So Again, if you hadn't experienced the childhood bullying and rejection, you may have perhaps have got to this point even quicker. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, you yeah. know you may not have anticipated the rejection so much. The other thing is that I think it's a really good uh, example and it's evidence of uh, that pushes back against this idea that autistic people are bad at social interaction. You know, because when you're in the right social settings and the right, you know, that work for you and and uh, resonate for you, and you've got low social anxiety, it what it works. You know, you mm-hmm. you know, we see it at the community cafes. You know, as James said. Um, my feeling is because you know in the community cafes it's it's your people you're going to be accepted you, you know you you don't anticipate rejection you're going to sort of be comfortable with being who you truly are you, there's no need to mask and so when you're in that that mindset you are absolutely going to be able to socially interact social, socially communicate so this kind of idea that autism per se means that you can't socially interact is not true it's completely moderated by your external experience yeah, um, I think um, you made some really good points, Simeon, about um, the way that um, negative thoughts were influencing you and that they come from 
traumatic experiences in the past and it's really interesting how you've you've had that internal monologue of kind of negative thinking that I think is so common where we kind of begin to believe what the bullies have said because the thoughts are going round and round in our heads and we really live the experiences a lot of the time so we begin to believe the negative things about ourselves that's called uh, what's now called internalized ableism where we believe these negative stereotypes and things like that and um it also highlights the importance of the way you went to counselling, you you have found supportive friends, and it's really important to have supportive people around us in order to help us understand that that negative thinking isn't true. And it's really important, uh, as you said, to put ourselves into these social situations, maybe ones that we're a bit more comfortable with, uh, like you're saying, that um, align with your interests, so you've got something to say about you know about the subject with other people and you're a bit more confident to talk with other people about it and in that way you've proved that you can undo a lot of the trauma from the past and have it's by having these positive experiences to replace the negative ones so it's really really important yeah what do you envisage the next five to ten years looking like Simeon for yourself like where do you where what do you sort of hope to where do you hope to be in five to ten years where's what's the next step in your journey if I'm honest, like, all I want to do now is just um, inspire and help other people that's on the spectrum that's dealt with this. Because in the the last few years of discovering myself, who, who I truly am and everything, I've come to realize that I'm very good at articulating my words, one. Two, I'm very good at um, finding effective ways to get through to people when, especially the most stubborn people, uh, of um how to kind of um get through to them so so they can actually improve and I, and that's one thing I've come to realize as well is that I'm very very big on self improvement from me looking in my into myself and how important it is to actually improve yourself and I've come to realize in this journey that a lot of people around me either are too afraid to do it because it's outside of their comfort zone or it's they just think that they're okay where they are. So they can't, you know, push themselves and move forward. And I find it now very jarring because that's what I did. I stayed in the exact same lane all the time because I was comfortable. And I kind of used my diagnosis as an excuse as to, oh, well, you know, I'm autistic. I'm comfortable with what I know. I don't really like change. So I kind of stayed where I was. But all that did was make me depressed because I started realizing that people around me are improving their lives, they're in progressing in, in everything. And here I am still in the same place. What reason is there for me to not do that? What what what's, What is the reason why I can't progress as well? And thankfully, once again, it comes down to what my friends were saying. They pointed it out to me that I was just being contempt, being the same person. So it put those ideas in my head to change in the first place. Because if, as I said, if it wasn't for people pointing it out, I would have never known because... I'm just a lot of the time unaware of my, what I'm doing because I'm so used to just being in my own space. And that's what I know. It's not a um, even a thought in my head to actually potentially do something different. But now when I look back, I think to myself, because I've pushed myself to change, I've now become exactly what a lot of people say that autistic people can't do, which is socially interact. So that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for me pushing myself and, you know, other people pushing me to do better as well 
so going back to what you're saying in five years i definitely would like to not necessarily be like a beacon or anything but just um i just want to um in, uh, be an inspiration for other autistic people to improve themselves as well because we can do it it's just that we just need to get over that hurdle of being in our comfort zone and i know the reason is simply because the unknown is outside of our control so we don't want to go out there and see what else is out there but they don't actually realize that that unknown that's out there could also benefit us in a lot of ways but it but it, because we just don't really notice that a lot of time because we just so think we're just so focused on the negative side that we won't have control anymore that that's the reason why we just kind of stay where we are and i kind of want to break that mindset with other people that's on the spectrum yeah and I, I, that's exactly the reason why we're doing this podcast today isn't it because we wouldn't have met you had you not had that mindset because you you one day you know we were having our community cafe uh, in Islington in Old Street uh, and one day you you just walked in you know and uh, you heard about it and you just wanted to come and sort of see what it was about and connect and I guess you wouldn't have done that had you not had that mindset and that's led to us having connected and and this this podcast happening so it sort of leads to one positive thing after after the other but it isn't easy is it and embracing those fears and anxieties and and pushing through them I think something that helps is is gonna be again the social support aspect you know what I mean having you know you benefited yourself from having close friends uh with you that gave you some confidence and you want to be that that advocate for other people don't you Simeon you know that that person that can help others so it's I think part of the not the solution, but part of the process that's going to help is to accept support. Do you know what I mean? Like reach out and and it's okay to get support, especially from other autistics, I would say, uh, who who are going to get you. Do you know what I mean? Like going to get it and and going to accept you. Uh, so if you're listening to this and what Simeon's saying is, is resonates with you and you feel like you're stuck in a rut and you're letting anxiety get the best of you and you know you've got so much more to give, you know, reach out either to to the London Autism Group charity, come to one of our community cafes. And Simeon, I'm sure you'd be happy to to get an email or or um, a message somewhere or another from from listeners who are struggling. Is that right, uh, Simeon? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to um, listen to you guys' story. If you have, um, if you are struggling, I can do my best to help out, you know, because as just like Chris was saying, I know exactly how it feels to be in that situation and it's not easy at all so yeah I'll, i wouldn't mind a message or two uh simeon what what is your email uh mate so people can contact you so it's uh simeon thompson 214 at hotmail.co.uk yeah if you guys want to send a message to me just to let if you want to tell me your story or if you're struggling with something you know i'll be happy to respond to the message to, and kind of help you in any way that i can because as i said i know exactly how it feels to be that person who feels different feels alone feels misunderstood so if you do want to reach out yeah i'll be happy to respond to you yeah thank you so much and we also as i said before are now running uh, several community cafes around london and we're aiming to build more uh throughout the coming years uh so if you are in the area to one of these um community cafes information for which you can access on our website please feel free to drop by you can meet myself and james and Simeon, who attends the uh, Old Street Community Cafe. And uh, yeah, you can have a chat. It's completely free, no registration needed. You just drop by anytime you like during our opening hours and we will be there 
uh, and give you a nice drink and snack and we can have a chat and connect. So that would be good. James, is there anything else that you'd like to say or point out? No, I think I've really enjoyed um, hearing you tell us a bit about your story, Simeon, and um, a lot of there's a lot of parallels there that I think a lot of autistic people, it, this will resonate with with them. It certainly resonates with me. That's kind of another reason why we set up the charity to make changes to start making some social change. Um, and it might take, you know, a long time, but um, we're fully committed to making society a, a lot more positive place for autistic people and for the next generation of people. And I'm sure with people like you, Simeon, helping us, that we can do that. So thank you. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Fantastic. Simon, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap up? I guess the only thing again is um anyone who does um struggle with it, um autism, just learn to embrace it. As as hard as that may sound, just learn to embrace it because once you do, there's nothing but positive possibilities out there. The world is your oyster once you truly understand yourself and understand how you can operate in the world. Because you once you really do operate yourself and know yourself for who you really are. You, that's when you really start to know your strengths. You will know exactly that it's something that that builds you, enhances you, and not something that breaks you or hinders you, because it's not a curse. It's definitely a blessing in disguise. That's how I see it. And my my final comment is this: you can't control what's thrown at you, but you can most definitely control how you react to it. So if you choose to react to it in a positive way by learning about yourself potentially getting counseling just like I did if um if you really do not know how to operate with it definitely go counseling and definitely go with someone who actually has an understanding of autism as well because that they know how to break things down for people like us who do need things pretty much explained in a very detailed and um dissected way so 100% learn about yourselves learn how to embrace it and become better people all right. Thank you so much, uh, Simeon. It's been really fantastic having you here. And I really appreciate you being so sort of open and honest about your journey, as difficult as that that must have been to talk about at times. But it's absolutely fantastic that you are where you're at and your testament to resilience and um, adapting and not being stubborn. You know, somebody that is able to sort of listen to, to friends' advice and and uh, take risks and push through. So uh, you're an absolute inspiration. Thank you very much. And uh, let's absolutely talk again soon, I'm sure, at the next Community Cafe. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. So with that said, um, I'd like to say bye. Take care. All the best, Simeon, and all the best, James. Speak to you soon. All right. Speak to you soon. Thank you guys for having me again. Bye.